So let's start in prayer for our sermon. Daddy, once, once again, again, we come before your throne in Jesus' name. Lord, our, our hearts are open to receive from you, to receive from your Holy Spirit, to receive from your word. Give us hearts to receive. Give us minds to receive. And Lord, not just to receive it internally, but to manifest your will in our lives. To manifest the wisdom that you give us and to have the will to do according to your pleasure. Lord, give me the tongue of the learned to speak this word in due season. And Lord, thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. Let's open up our Bibles today to the Gospel of John, chapter 6. John, chapter 6. A little background here uh, before we read our passage. Jesus, here in chapter 6, he has fed the 5,000. You know, he's uh, multiplied the loaves and the fishes, right? And fed 5,000 people. In the night, he, Jesus has gone off to be alone. And then he has left the area. And uh, he walks on the water to meet the disciples in the boat as they are crossing the sea. The next day, the crowd wakes up, having uh, been well fed, and they go in search of Jesus and the disciples and find them. And this is where we pick up in John chapter 6, starting in verse 43. Jesus speaking, he says, Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply amongst themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. 
your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. And on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Do you want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. And thus ends our reading. One of the main focuses of, of the Gospel of John is the idea that uh, the people expect one thing and they get something different. John the Baptist, uh, when he says, look, here's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, he means and understands the idea that Jesus is going to take away the sins of the world and he's going to set up his kingdom immediately. John the Baptist doesn't understand that there's a cross and a resurrection and an ascension. He expects it's going to be set up immediately. As I said in, uh, earlier in chapter 6, the, uh, Jesus multiplies the, the loaves and the fishes and he feeds everybody. And the, he, uh, Jesus understood that the people wanted to forcibly make him king. They expected Jesus to be one thing but they got something different. In truth, you know, Jesus was weird. Jesus was weird. He had often called a lunatic or demon-possessed by those who, who knew anything about uh, the word of God at the moment. Those religious leaders. Jesus was weird. Jesus was a one of a kind ever. And in his day, when he walked the earth, even more so. See, you and I, we are surrounded. <laughs> we are just surrounded by people who believe in Jesus Christ all the time. There are you know, hundreds and hundreds of millions of believers all across the planet. In Jesus' day, he was it. He was a unicorn, right? He was the one and only of his kind. 
his closest disciples didn't really understand him. They didn't understand the cross in spite of the fact that Jesus explained it over and over again. They didn't get it. And hence, it was all just, you know, uh, Good Friday and, and Resurrection Sunday, Easter. It was, all, it was just all sort of a big surprise for them in spite of the fact that Jesus had been talking to them all along about it. Jesus was weird, and nobody understood him. He was incredibly alone, except for, <laughs> except for the Father and the Holy Spirit. Jesus was absolutely unique. I got born again at age eight. I needed a savior then and I need a savior now. Jesus never needed a savior. He is the savior. And that makes him unique. That makes him weird. Jesus was alone in the entire world, alone. His disciples didn't understand him. But you and I, we are supposed to understand him, right? The disciples didn't always know what... <laughs> They very rarely, who you can very rarely knew what Jesus was up to. And yet here you and I, right, we're supposed to know what God is up to. We're supposed to follow the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to know what Jesus is up to in this life, in our lives, in world events, in history. You and I are supposed to know these things. Jesus was weird, and you and I, we're supposed to be weird too. That's all there is to it. A friend of mine, Jay, is a retired uh, submarine captain. And he tells this story. He said he was uh, going on deployment, and... Uh, out of Groton, Connecticut, and it was a super, super foggy morning to get underway. And they were sounding the foghorn as they're supposed to. And he says there, before you got out into open ocean there, he says there's a, uh, a, a bend in the river before you get to open ocean. And you, you've got to come left. And he said he knew where he was in the channel and uh, he was just right of center, which is where he wanted to be, which where he wanted the, the boat to be. And he was up there, he's, he's the commanding officer of this boat. And he's up there uh, on the mast, the sail, if you will, of the uh, submarine. And he hears the Holy Spirit say, you need to come right five degrees and without really thinking about it he just went with what the holy spirit said and he ordered five degree rudder right he ordered that rudder and he said at the moment that he gave that order there out of the fog 
became a container ship that missed his boat by inches. That's weird. But that's how, who you and I are supposed to be. Anybody else in that moment, right, says, okay, I'm on my side, I'm driving the car, I'm driving this boat on my side of the road, if you will. I am following the, the track, the charted course. I am following what we have already briefed as a crew that we are supposed to be doing. We are following all the rules of the road to navigate this situation. So to suddenly come right five degrees in the middle of doing what you're supposed to do is weird. But thank God he did. Because my friend Jay might not, might not be here today had he not. Certainly, uh, there would have been many sailors on that ship who might not have made it at all. At the very least, he saved his own career. Hallelujah. That's who you and I are supposed to be. We're supposed to, like Jesus, hear the Holy Spirit and obey the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus went around doing kingdom things, doing weird things, things that had never been done before. See, Jesus comes across a blind man and he, he scoops up some dirt into his hands and starts spitting into his hands so he can make some mud. That's just weird. That's all there is to it let alone the idea that he's now got a handful of mud and he's going to smear it into this man's face. That's just strange, isn't it? But the man's sight is restored. See, Jesus didn't care about what it looked like in the moment because the results were more important that person that he was ministering to, that person who he was, he, was, <laughs> he was giving him his sight, that was far more important than the, man, I hope nobody's looking as I spit in my hands and make mud. That sounds like a mess, doesn't it? So Jesus is spitting, that's gross. And he's making mud in his hands, so he's dirty, that's gross. And now he's going to smear it into this guy's eyeballs. That's, that's just nasty, right? In the end, none of those things matter. Because in Jesus' equation, that guy, that blind man who can now see is more important than any than the dirt in his hands, than the spittle. <laughs> that he's had to, had to make that mud with. And that's weird. And thank God it is. Without 
listening to the Holy Spirit, my friend De Jay is probably dead. And at the very least, he's relieved of command and never retired. Without obeying the Holy Spirit and willing to be weird, that man doesn't get his, his sight back. If you ask me, that's pretty important. Let alone the blind guy who wasn't blind anymore. That seems pretty important, doesn't it? Jesus was weird. He commanded the dead to come back to life. He walks on water. He turns water into wine. He, he, he makes the lame to walk and the deaf to hear and the, the demons flee, right? Yeah. And I think the problem is that with those things, with that little list, that casual list, really, that I just read, is the idea that uh, we often read those stories casually. We're so comfortable with those stories that they, that they almost seem like fairy tales, right? I mean, here we are beginning of the Christmas season, right? Was the night before Christmas and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse, right? We could probably recite the whole thing. Yeah. Well, Jesus was at a, at a wedding in Cana and they ran out of wine and he said, pour out the water into the cisterns and, and then draw and give it to the master of the ceremonies of the banquet. You see, the, the difference between was the night before Christmas, right? And Jesus' first miracle is that Jesus' first miracle, turning that water into wine, really happened. And the problem is we can't treat, we cannot treat what Jesus actually did as if it were just a fairy tale. We've got to be, we've got to embrace being uncomfortable in our flesh if we're going to walk in the spirit. Your Bible and my Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, the 24th, of November 2019 uh, and forever. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, how many of you got Jesus living on the inside of you by the, by the Holy Spirit? Anybody? Anybody besides me? Oh, okay, that's four of us. That's good. Right? You see where I'm going with this? Do you see where Jesus is going with this? Have you ever read the book of Acts? Well, that's what Holy Spirit people are supposed to look like. Okay, take your index finger and point it, put it in the air. Point it up, okay. Now, I want you to point to where the Father is. Okay. I want you to point to where Jesus Christ is. Now I want you to point to where the Holy Spirit is. 
And I know that's a subdivision of the Trinity that isn't real, but it is. <laughs> but it is an object lesson that the Father is in heaven on his throne and he's in your heart by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is to the right of his throne, right? Ever living to make intercession for you and for me in heaven, but he's also in your heart by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and don't worry, of course, the Holy Spirit is there in heaven as well and in your heart and mind as well as believers. And the point is this, that the very same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus to do all this stuff should empower you to do all that stuff. Hallelujah. See, Jesus was weird. And if we're not comfortable with Jesus and the level in which he moved in the Holy Spirit, and he has called you and I to move in the Holy Spirit, well, then that's on us. It's, it's not on him. Amen? Jesus is God eternal, and he's not changing. He's not changing for my theology. He's not changing for your theology. Uh, he, he is always in the mood to show out and to show off who he really is in life, that he is God, that it is his kingdom, that it is his world. This is my father's world. We sing that song, don't we? And he means it. That's on us. Jesus is all about building his kingdom and displaying his power and authority, and he wants to display it through you. Not the person next to you. That's Y-O-U-U. -U. The person in the mirror in the morning. That guy. That woman. That person, Jesus is weird, and he did weird things. <laughs> and if we don't want to be weird, well, then that's on us. Because that's what Jesus has called you to be. He's called, you are, are an alien. This is not your home. You are not from here. Heaven is your real home. You are a temporary resident of the United States of America, a temporary resident of this plane of existence. <laughs> Jesus was weird. He said this. He said, your forefathers ate manna and died. The one who feeds on me will live because of me. Jesus is not talking about communion here. He's not talking about communion. Remember, he had just fed the 5,000 folks, right? Uh, barley loaves and fish. They were full. They were very full. Excuse me. They were satisfied. They had eaten. And then they wake up the next morning and Jesus has moved on and says, oh man, my meal ticket just left. Free food, right? Come on now. You're in church. You know. The, the quickest way to get a crowd to anything is, is offer some free food. Amen? <laughs> you know that's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jesus isn't talking about communion here. Their forefathers ate manna, and it gave strength to their physical bodies. See, you and I, we need to continually consume Jesus to feed on his presence and his person. What does blood do? 
in a body. It gives life. It feeds and nourishes. And that's what we need to do. Having fed on Jesus, right? We are supposed to be more like him and less like us all the time. You are what you eat. And you and I ought to be consuming more and more of Jesus. And because we consume more and more of Jesus, we are more and more like him. Try to answer this question for me. In our thinking and believing, are we trying to make Jesus more like us or are we trying to become more like him? I'll say it again. In our thinking and believing, are we trying to make Jesus like us or are we trying to become more like Jesus? I think the danger is, is that we say we want to be more like Jesus, but in our humanity, in our flesh, we tend to make him more and more like us. And that's the problem. See, to make, to make Jesus like us is to remove his uniqueness from all of history. To make Jesus like us is to deny his supernatural power, the supernatural power uh, of his existence, of his, of his blood, of his cross, of his resurrection, and his current reality as God of all creation. See, to make Jesus like us is to fashion an idol of Jesus and not to worship the real Jesus. See, no facet of Christ's existence or personhood can be understood except by revelation of the Holy Spirit. Something supernatural has got to take place in our lives for us to understand Jesus. And it's that way, and it never, ever changes. You know, I said, like I told you, I got born again at age eight, and I had a supernatural revelation and understanding. I got born again. It was, it was amazing, and it was beautiful. But to take the next step of knowing Jesus Christ, I had to have that same revelation. A different, slightly different revelation of who he is, who he really is, and how I'm not like him, <laughs> how different he is than I am. And I had to move forward in that understanding. There's got to be a living connection between me and the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And I've got to be willing to tap into that existence all the time. 
willing to pray, willing to hear, and willing to obey. The paradox is is that, of course, if you don't know your Bible, you don't know the Holy Spirit. Uh, And if you don't know the Holy Spirit, then you don't really know your Bible. And, and truthfully, if you don't know the Holy Spirit, you can't live out what the Bible is telling you to do. And that's to live like Jesus. Isn't that right? Hmm. Jesus was weird. And, and even St. John, right, who wrote this gospel, we just, we're, we, part of this gospel we just read, he comes face to face with Jesus in the book of Revelation. Do you remember that? Now, John had been with Jesus Christ 24-7, 365 in the heat and the cold, at night and in the morning, for three whole years. No one was closer to Jesus than John. No one. And yet... When John sees Jesus in the book of Revelation, he falls down as if he were dead at his feet. That's how different Jesus was than what John already knew. John had an amazing, close, and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ while they walked together. And now, (laughs) it is a revelation, right? The book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And John is face to face with the glorified Jesus. And it's overwhelming to the point where he passes out. Man. Man, that's the Jesus I want to know. Forgetting what is behind us. I press forward to know Jesus Christ, to know his resurrection power, to know who he is, and to know more and more of who he is. Amen? I want to know that Jesus. I want to know that Jesus. I want to hear his voice so clearly that the slightest whisper is his command, and I move. The, the glance of his eye is my guidance. That's what I want. That's what I want. Jesus was weird, and he did powerful, supernatural things. And, and I want to be weird and do powerful and supernatural things, too. In the summer of 2018, I was aboard the USS Steedham, and we were underway in the Sea of Japan. And my morning habit while underway uh, is to go up onto the starboard bridge wing uh, and pray. And I always pray out loud, and even if it is just to mutter under my breath, but always out loud. And this one particular morning, I was in some particularly fierce prayer for our crew and for many other things. If you think about that area of the world, you know, you got the Chinese, the North Korean, and the Russians running around out there. And that's why we are there. And so I was in some pretty 
particularly fierce prayer in the moment. And one of our ensigns came out onto the bridge wing and he says to me, chaps, what are you doing out here acting all weird? And I, in that moment, just threw my hands up and said, yes, thank you, Jesus. I'm out here being weird. I don't think he could have paid me a higher compliment than to tell me I was being weird out there. You know, Jesus never went to a church service that he didn't totally and utterly mess up. He messed up the service, not that he was a mess up. But every time Jesus stepped into a house of worship, every single time, something supernatural happened. Some crippled, some lady with a crippled hand is restored. Some lame person, right? Uh, uh, they suddenly can walk. You go and read that Bible of yours and understand that every single time that Jesus walked into a house of worship, somebody with a demon was there and they got delivered. Every single time. Often multiple people, right? You know, if Jesus believed in uh, devils and demons, right? And his one of his last commands that we should cast those things out. Well, then I guess I'm stuck believing in those things too. And I'm stuck with the obligation. And truly, the privilege to bring freedom to other people. Jesus wasn't worried about the mess in his hands when he made the mud, or the mess on the man's face when he smeared that mud into his eyes. That man, the person on the other side of it all, the person receiving his sight, it was more important than any of that. See, you and I, uh, we're supposed to mean very little in the equation. See, if you raised your hand when I asked you if you were born again and you raised your hand, well, then guess what? You're already safe. You made it. You're safe. That's up to you and me, right? To be the salt and the light in this world to see other people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. Now we would all say, man, it's a dark world where you are supposed to be the light. You're supposed to be different. You're supposed to be weird. That's all there is to it. You know, I'll close with this. The truth of the matter is this. You already hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now the only question is, are you willing to obey? Not just to the degree that you already have obeyed, 
but are you willing to obey to a much more extensive degree? To do the works that Jesus Christ did and even greater. That's the challenge here today.